Hello dear listener. If you're listening to this on the day it's released, then happy Halloween to you. I hope you're enjoying the scariest night of the year. Listening to this while dressed up as Frankenstein's monster, a vampire, or the classic sheet over the head with two eyes cut out so that you can be a spooky ghost. The episode you're about to hear is the Patreon episode from March of this year. And as you'll hear, the night that John Rich, Tom and I spent at 35 Stonegate in York was absolutely terrifying. Easily one of the most amazing, unbelievable, inexplicable paranormal investigations I've ever been part of. You're about to hear a jump scare warning that I've put in for Patreons who heard this episode back in the spring. But I'm going to double down on that warning. As some Patreons told me that they braced themselves for it, knew that it was coming, but still ended up getting the fright of their life. If you like these type of bonus episodes, then there's plenty more waiting for you right now over on the Patreon, such as the York Dungeon, the Camo Estate, Haggerston Castle Holiday Park, Dalhousie Castle Hotel, the National Railway Museum, and the Halloween episode, which is the Golden Fleece in York. That episode in particular culminates in some truly insane happenings when... Well, actually, I'll let you listen for yourself, if you choose to do so. They are all available on the £3 tier, and what's more, there's a seven-day free trial right now, so you could listen to all of these completely free of charge, at this, the perfect time of the year for these scary episodes. Although if you do choose to sign up, and you hang around, the November episode will see me at the Bedlam Theatre in Edinburgh, and then the Patreon Christmas episode will focus on Kielder Castle in Northumberland. If you want to find out more, you can check out the link in this podcast episode description, or head over to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod. And without further ado, let's get this very, very special episode underway. Have a frightfully good Halloween, and enjoy. Hello dear Patreon. I know there's a warning at the beginning of the episode, but I wanted to give you an additional warning about a couple of things before we get underway. Firstly, I use the worst swear word in this episode. That's right, the C word. It's in a historical context, as it's to do with the former name of a street in York, as the streets in the city were named for what they were used for. And you'll hear exactly what the purpose of this street near to this episode's location was. I haven't beeped it out or edited it out, as I wanted to be able to give you the full, detailed history, as I always strive to do. But I wanted to give you a heads up that it's in there. Secondly, just after the one hour mark was a potential jump scare. It's a very loud, very unexpected sound. And it comes during the actual audio of my team and I investigating the seance room at 35 Stonegate. Brace yourself, as it could easily give you a real fright when it happens. You'll hear that it certainly made the four of us jump and all hell broke loose. With that, on with the show. Enjoy. Constructed upon a street with Roman origins, number 35 Stonegate was built in 1482 and has a fascinating history, having been a publishing house, a psychic museum, a haunted house offering self-led tours and overnight paranormal investigations, and now it's a clothes shop. Believed to be the haunt of 14 spirits, this is one of the most haunted places in all of York, and one of the phantoms that calls this place home is believed to be very, very dangerous indeed. 
would I encounter him when I led my small team of ghost hunters into this historic building after dark? Let's find out together. Tonight, join me for a very special episode as we head to one of the most haunted buildings in York, number 35 Stonegate. Welcome to the seventh Patreon bonus episode of How Haunted. How Haunted is a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as I'll take you along on a paranormal investigation at one of the most haunted locations in the world. I'll explain in detail every aspect of the ghost hunt and once the investigation gets underway, you'll hear audio from the investigation as it happens. You'll become part of the team, and you'll join us for what is guaranteed to be one hell of a night. Tonight, let us return to York, the most haunted city in the world, to investigate 35 Stonegate and ask the question, how haunted? Listener discretion is advised that this episode features real audio from an actual paranormal investigation where anything could happen. Listen on if you dare. On the 8th of October 2011, I found myself heading south to York once more to conduct a paranormal investigation at a building that I'd been dying to experience after dark for years. And tonight was that night. I was joined by my brother Tom and my good friends Richard Stogo and John Crozier. The reason for our excitement was that we were headed to 35 Stonegate, which was called Haunted at the time, and is now, in the year 2023, rather sadly, a high street clothes store called Oliver Bonus. This investigation formed Chapter 7 of my book Ghosts of York, a chapter called Dead Man Walking. I will read an abridged version of that chapter for you now, and throughout you'll hear audio from the investigation. Audio that has never been heard by anybody in the near 12 years since the investigation. This is going to be the big one, said Rich, as I drove the northeast's favourite spook-searching quartet south once more to York. And the big one that Rich was referring to was tonight's venue. The most haunted building in York. Number 35 Stonegate, a.k.a. Haunted. I couldn't help but agree with his excitable outburst, as ever since the conception of my idea of tackling ten of York's most haunted for a book, Haunted was right up there at the top of my wish list. It had been a few months since our last foray into the world of the paranormal, and it would be Rich's first investigation as a married man, having tied the knot to his long-term girlfriend Amy a couple of months earlier. She's a lucky, lucky creature indeed to have bagged our Rich. The wedding reception was brilliant, with a very drunk and usually very reserved John asking the DJ on several occasions if he played Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. 
After the fifth time of asking, the DJ caved in, and when those unmistakable opening few notes flowed from the speaker system, the place erupted. Well, if truth be told, that's not quite how it went down. The four of us were loving it, with Tom strutting around the dance floor with an Air Pro Tom pack. The really drunk people seemed to be loving it too, although I'm not sure that most of them knew what they were dancing to. But most people were a little bit confused, as let's be fair, it's not on your typical wedding playlist. It was a fairly average autumn day, not too cold, but there was a constant drizzle which didn't look like stopping any time soon. We were making good time on our journey. We had left a little later than planned, with Tom being typically late, but I was confident that we'd be in York with more than enough time for us to check into our hotel and get something to eat or drink before our investigation began. As the miles passed by, Tom told us that he'd previously Googled 35 Stonegate, and he said that there were 14 separate reported ghosts. Imported ghosts, I asked, pretending to monsieur. Where did they get them from? Reported, he quickly corrected me. He also pointed out that he was struggling to find much information about the place at all. And he was totally right. None of the ghost walks seem to include the location, and I've got dozens of books on the ghosts of York, and it's not mentioned in any of them. It seems amazing that a building believed to be so active right in the centre of the city could be so unfairly overlooked. Number 35 Stonegate is situated on one of the most popular streets in the city with tourists, and is a street of mostly listed buildings due to their historical significance. Stonegate is built on the Roman road via Pretoria, and has been known by the name Stonegate since at least 1118. Today, 12 years after our investigation, 35 Stonegate is an Oliver Bonus clothes shop. Yes, there's nothing frightening or creepy about the spring clothing and sparkling jewellery on display in the window. However, what you need to understand about this building is its history, and the use of the building prior to it becoming a high street store in 2014. The Grade 2 listed building dates from 1482, but the site upon which it stands has had over a thousand years of continued habitation. From 1682, the medieval building was a publishing house, named the Sign of the Bible, with the hanging wooden Bible still hanging above the main door to this day. In September 1835, Princess Victoria, later to become Queen Victoria, visited the shop when she was aged only 16, and declared the business as a prince-seller's by royal appointment. After being a publishing house for over 200 years, the building was sold in 1873, as Robert Sunter, the final heir of the publishing house, had passed away, and the building was bought by John Ward Knowles, a prominent stained glass manufacturer, and he renovated and redesigned it, and it became the Knowles family home for the next 120 years. Jonathan Kainer, one of Britain's top astrologers, took over the building in 1999, and when interviewed by the York Post at the time, he said he was aware of only a handful of spirits within the building, but during extensive renovations which involved digging the foundations, something happened. Suddenly the building was full of activity, Jonathan said. Suddenly we couldn't move for spectral figures. It was like Piccadilly Circus. It's believed that the building is home to 14 resident entities. Kena and world-famous cutlery bender Yuri Geller opened it as a psychic museum in 2003. Television medium Derek Okora carried out a live televised investigation at the Psychic Museum in January 2006 as part of his Derek Okora's Ghost Town programme for Living TV. And viewers nationwide watched on in horror as in the seance room he was attacked by an angry male spirit which grabbed Derek around the throat and threw him up against one of the panelled walls. After the attack had subsided, Derek was told by his spirit guide Sam that the Phantom was a very powerful man, aged around 40 
and he was angry that these people had invaded his space. Sam added that the man had so much hatred for the team that he'd love to rip out their hearts. The figure of a balding monk has been seen in the lantern room and an apparition of an elegant Georgian lady had been seen in the dining room. Doors opening and shutting with accompanying bangs and creaks were heard by visitors when alone in the house. By the time of our investigation in 2011, it had been relaunched as Haunted. It had a small occult shop at the front of the building selling books, talismans and pendants, candles and herbs. In the main window out onto the street were four screens that passers-by could watch 24-7. These showed what was happening at that point in time in the four most active rooms, named the lantern, seance, mask and dining rooms. They could also be watched online too, via the wonders of the internet. The majority of visitors came for the ghost tour of the house, which was a tour you could complete at your own pace, as you were guided by signs and there was motion-activated narration telling you all about the room you'd entered, and the ghosts that may be with you right at that very moment. The atmosphere, especially if you were there on a quiet day, where you may be the only person on the tour, was unique. Even in a city such as York, where almost every building seems to have a ghost story. Back in 2011, there was very little written anywhere about the ghosts of 35 Stonegate. And now it's a closed shop, and reports of paranormal occurrences have dried up, it could easily be forgotten as being one of York's most haunted. Tonight, it would just be the four of us against whatever was lying in wait for us within the darkness of this majestic old building, which has sent much larger groups of much more experienced paranormal investigators fleeing in terror. Just after 3.30pm we checked into our accommodation for the evening, and after dropping our bags off we headed back out to enjoy a couple of hours in York before our investigation later this evening. Just after 5pm we headed to the Cross Keys pub on Goodrum Gate for some drinks and a hearty meal. By this time most of the shops had closed, the last of the sunlight had made way for the moon, and night time fell like a net. We enjoyed a couple of hours in each other's company, we ate and we drank, and we left just after 7pm. We walked along College Street, and there was a group of around 20 people huddled together in the rain, which was much more heavier now, taken in one of York's many organised ghost walks. They were standing way back from the street under a tree, and it looked very atmospheric, as they were almost in total darkness, the only light coming from lanterns that a couple of members of the group were holding. The guide was telling them one of York's great ghost stories, the girl who haunts Five College Street. She is seen crying at the window to this very day, having starved to death in the house when her parents died of the plague, and she was left there all alone. We walk past the magnificent York Minster, and on to Stonegate, one of York's best-known and most historic streets. We stopped outside number 35, the building we would be inside in just under an hour. We spent a little bit of time looking in the front window. All the lights were off inside. We watched the four webcams that overlooked the lantern, seance, mask and dining rooms, and that people later on this evening would actually be able to watch us on through the same window. We popped into the Punchbowl pub further along Stonegate for a quick drink, as at 8pm we'd be headed back along to number 35. The Punchbowl itself is said to be home to many spirits other than those hanging up behind the bar, and I talked about the Punchbowl in the Halloween 2022 episode which was a ghost walk of York. We approached the entrance of 35 Stonegate at 8pm and Georgia, our host for the evening, was waiting to greet us. She invited us inside out of the rain and we introduced ourselves. She took us into the room she suggested that we use as a base, the room where the daily tours begin. 
She kindly offered us a preliminary tour of the building, so we left our bags in the base room and followed her into a corridor at the foot of a long winding staircase. Only a couple of minutes into the tour we had our first unusual experience, or rather Rich did, as he felt as if he'd been pushed upon reaching the top of the staircase leading into the lantern room. We passed through the mask room, the lantern room, the dining room, and when we got to the seance room Rich had another unpleasant incident. A sensation he hadn't felt in almost a year since the National Railway Museum. He quietly told me that he'd felt the same unbearable panic in that room as he'd felt on the railway bridge at the museum. Georgia told us that despite what we might hear or read elsewhere, the seance room was never used for seances in Victorian times. It used to be the mistress's bedroom. During the tour, she also offered us the chance to do something that she told us no previous group had ever done. We could investigate the attic. She explained that all of the other rooms in the building are well presented as they are part of the public tours, but this room has simply been left. It is mainly used for storage, and she has only been in it a few times herself as she tries to avoid it. We were all very excited by this prospect. However, my excitement was tinged with a hint of trepidation, as I knew something that the other three didn't know. Visitors and other paranormal investigators who have not been lucky enough to get into the attic itself have reported hearing the terrifying screams of a woman emanating from the room. I decided to keep this to myself for now. Tom asked if there's any room in the building that Georgia wouldn't go into alone, and her immediate reply was the cellar. And on that note, she led us downstairs into that very room. As we descended below ground, she explained that they aren't allowed to change the staircase or move it, as it's the only example of its kind in Europe. In the cellar, Georgia showed us another door leading out of the cellar, and out into an 18th century enclosure beneath the street of Stonegate. She said anyone brave enough to stand outside in the small area would be standing on the original Roman level of the street. By 8.30pm we were back at base, the room in which the daily tours begin, and Georgia told us would have been the drawing room of the Knowles House, where guests would have been received. It has large ornate stained glass windows that were designed by John Ward Knowles and remain in perfect condition. When the building was renovated in much more recent years, this room had such a rotten floor that it was possible to get permission to conduct an archaeological dig with a three-foot deep pit. It was discovered that the building stands on top of a Roman rubbish dump. But as they say, one man's junk is another man's treasure, and this was only too true, as it was an archaeologist's dream, almost spilling over with well-preserved Roman artefacts as well as some remains from the time of the Viking occupation of York. Georgia gave us a two-way radio in case we needed to contact her throughout the night, and she showed us where the office was that she would be based in. Rich asked if the lights could be left on until about 9pm, so we could have another walk around the building ourselves and photograph and explore the various rooms before we got our investigation underway. We spent ten minutes in each the lantern room, the dining room and the seance room, and we headed back to base just before 9pm, at which point Georgia radioed us to let us know that all the lights would now be going out. Tom had an app on his iPhone called Night Recorder, which records constantly, but only saves audio clips with unexpected sounds, so we decided to position this in the seance room where we investigated some of the other rooms. Tom, Rich and John headed there, while I decided to wait alone in the room we were using as a base, a room which is said to be haunted by at least two spirits, an unidentified woman who was seen passing through this room very quickly, and a girl sat in the corner alone. People like to believe that this is young Princess Victoria, but cannot be sure of her identity. 
I felt fine, even though I was all in this scary room alone. Although once the sound of the other guys climbing the staircase faded away to silence, the lack of any sound whatsoever was a little unnerving. The others returned after five minutes, and the four of us headed down to the cellar to place some trigger objects in the form of stacked coins atop a piece of paper on which the coins are drawn around. So if there's any movement, it can be identified. John's biggest concern in the cellar wasn't the entities believed to haunt the room, it was something far more of this world. Spiders. John is absolutely terrified of spiders, and in the cellar, there were lots and lots of them. Thankfully for John, we were only in the cellar for about five minutes before returning to the creepy crawly free safety that the base room offered. Rich suggested that we split into two groups, and that he and I spend some time in the lantern room, while John and Tom go to the dining room. The lantern room is a fairly small rectangular room, with the original beams built into white walls, and low beams with lanterns above them hanging down from a high apex ceiling. A wooden bench at the far side of the room resembles pews from a church, and a bench covered in cloth sits against the wall opposite a fireplace built into the chimney breast, which has a decorative battle axe affixed to it. Rich and I sat on separate benches and turned on our recording devices. We turned off our torches, plunging us into total darkness. The only source of light I could see was red lights coming from the night vision webcam high up on the ceiling above me. As Rich began to ask out for whoever may be with us to make themselves known, I suddenly and unexpectedly felt on edge, as if I was being watched, and that I most certainly wasn't welcome there, and if I'm honest, I just wanted to get out of the room. I didn't say anything at the time, and continued to sit in silence as Rich continued to attempt to make contact. After three minutes, the sensation I had felt disappeared as quickly as it came over me. At 9.45pm, 25 minutes after we'd came into the room, we headed back to base to meet up with the others as agreed, with no results of any of our attempts to stir up activity to show for it. As we descended the staircase back to base, I told Rich how uncomfortable I'd felt when he first started talking. myself in the lantern room. Right, do you want the head torch off? Whatever. Not if necessary, really. To anybody else in this room, apart from Rob and myself, we are friends, we mean you no harm, we respect you and respect what you are doing here. We are here just to ask some questions and we would be grateful if you could answer our questions. We may not be able to hear you speak. We would prefer that you knocked on a wall twice if possible, just so you know it's definitely you and not just some other noise from the house um, in response to our questions. 
So first of all, please knock twice if the answer to this is yes. Is there anybody else in this room apart from Rob and myself? Does anybody in this room apart from Rob, the gentleman sitting in the corner there, and me, please knock twice on a wall, or please touch one of us on the shoulder, or whisper in our ear? What was it useful? Um, it was a bedroom for a couple of members of the staff who worked here. Um, right. Kind of like there was a like a master of the house, like a you know like a, a Downton Abbey type setup where there was people who worked beneath stairs, like you know like the underclasses who worked yeah. more or less as servants to to the richer people. And this room was used as a bedroom for a couple of the, the people who served the family. Right, um, a bit more responsibility and... Yeah, but something in particular that happened in this room though, that's mentioned on the tour, I don't know if it's going to tell you or not. Not yet. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, I'll ask as my candidate or... Sure. If there's anybody in this room who would like to make contact with us, please use the methods that I mentioned before to, co to communicate with us so that we know that you are here. Chris, can you knock on something? There's doors closing, so I don't know what that Yeah. We come here with a genuine interest in you, and we just want to communicate with you. Please give us a sign that you are here. Are you able to tell us your name? Uh, we may not be able to hear you, but we have some machines that may be able to hear you. There's one next to me and there's one next to my friend over there. If you speak into those machines, we can probably hear you. Please, can you speak your name? Please, can you tell us what year you were born? Can you tell us what you do as a job? Are you a happy person? Or is there somebody who you are unhappy with? Can you tell us their name? We have heard stories that you like to play games. And if you want to engage us in a game, that would be fantastic. Um, maybe you could knock so that we know that you're here. And then we can maybe start playing some games. ask you some more questions. I would like you to knock once for no and twice for yes. Do you like this room? Do you like being in this house? Can you tell us the year you died?
tell you what, I'm going to knock twice on the wall. If you would like to communicate with us, can you repeat what I've done? How do you feel about the room? Knock it down. What about you? When we first came in, I felt like when I first turned the light off and I was sitting here, I felt almost like I was just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I felt a little bit kind of my heart was, was kind of going, I felt a bit sick. I felt a little bit panicky, but um, just passed. That's how you do with climbing the stairs? I feel something touching the top of my head, like, but I don't know if it's because I was sitting below a beam and there might be spiders or something. Yeah. Do you think it's, no, it's not probably with climbing the stairs, only went up one flight of stairs. Two flights of stairs. Well, whatever. No, that was all. Um, I just think if you're expecting something to happen, then your heart rate will increase as you go upstairs. And yeah, but it was just. I mean, um, we've done quite a few of these now. Normally, when I go into rooms now, especially if I, as long as I'm not on my own, yeah, I feel quite comfortable. Well, I'm scared something's going to happen because yeah. with the amount of time spending places and with the like, we'll have had we'll have had some good results, but they've been very. Like we might spend five hours in a place and get one, yeah. one, two, two second result. Yeah. But I kind of go into places now and I'm not scared when I go into them. Yeah. But when I came into this room, I just, I don't know, I just... But that's past now, you said. Yeah, it was just for maybe the first five minutes we were in here. I jotted a few things down. I was fighting during that. Yeah. But then when, just, when I kind of sat and cleared my head, I was feeling my heart kind of pounding on my chest. And I was like looking around as if I did. Almost as if I felt somebody was watching us. And I didn't feel it was on kind of the same level that we're sitting, as if somebody was kind of watching us from up there. Right. And it might be that the webcam's up there, but I don't, I don't know, I just felt a little bit odd. But um, if John's going to bring his spirit out, then you'll find that there's no way this thought is even. No, not at all. So were you looking around expecting to see something more surprised when you didn't see something? I was looking around, not really expecting to see anything, but feeling as if I was being watched. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sense. And that, it's not going to do the webcam, because... Yeah, I'm not going to do the webcam. Just as if somebody came watching to see what we were going to do, like checking what out. Yeah. I feel cold as well now. So do I, a little bit. Anyway, I think those windows are drafty. Nicely, because there's not actually any insulation or anything up here. Yeah, maybe. But it doesn't sound a bit drafty. Yeah. That's 10. We've got 5 minutes. Oh, well. Do you want me to head down or? Might as well make the start head down. Right. Um, 9.40. Head down to the first now. Over. Okay. Leaving the lantern room now. The other team were 10 minutes late arriving back at base. And I'd hoped that this was as a result of them getting some kind of success in the dining room. Unfortunately though, this wasn't to be. Okay, the time is 9.23. Myself, John Crozier, and Tommy Kirkup are currently in the dining room at Haunted. We are sitting at a uh, longish table with eight seats around it. We've taken the middle seats on the two longest sides. Ahead of each of us is a mirror. The door to the room is to, our, is to my right, Tom's left. 
the opposite the door to my left there is a large bay window with the uh, seating area the curtains to that window are open so there is light coming in from the street although all, all the lights in the room itself are off there is a fair bit of noise coming in from the outside due to I didn't hear anything. Oh, there's certainly stairs up there because that's where we just came up. That's like kind of like that kind of area. So it's quite possible though. Yeah, just The street outside is quite lively, as you might expect on a Saturday night in York. There seems to be a quite popular lounge bar type place just directly across the road, which has a queue outside. Called the Evil Eye. Called the Evil Eye. Mm. The room it, in the room itself, the walls are covered by uh, pictures, mirrors. There is like a stag's head uh, on one wall, Bambi. which we have nicknamed Bambi. Mm. Top Tom finds it a bit creepy. And it's dead. Can you go something that corner? Yeah, there's a, a stuffed bird. Hawk, something along those lines, in the, in, in the other corner behind Tom. Looking what? Well, the webcam on my table. This is a room that is being recorded on haunted webcam. So, in theory, I, I am probably visible on the on it. They will see the side and back of Tom's head. I think we should have plenty of photographs already of this room. Yep, as John says, there's myself and John in the room. Um, Capture something within this room. Well, we really believe that it it has a lot of hauntings happened within it. And so, I'd like to just start by saying we're here just to investigate and find some more out about life after death or the paranormal, whatever it may be. Not getting any traps or anything, right? I'm not feeling anything. No. Got like trapped over the left shoulder, I think, but don't need anything because I can't feel that now. Anything in the mirrors? Can't see a look, which I should have really been doing. I've been looking into the one behind you, I haven't noticed very much. Todd, you're sitting down, you can't really see, but both the sort of, you don't see yeah. it both the half wheel. So something about them mirrors, or they're not normal mirrors. They look slightly, they're really different. I'm not sure. Slightly angulated in some ways. So they don't just show, show directly, like, back over. And we've got fa- about five minutes to our rendezvous back with uh, Robin Richard. So if you could knock on anything or make a noise or come sit amongst us or even touch one of us just to give us a sign that you are here. Otherwise we're going to leave the room in a couple of minutes. Well, it's quite possible that uh, either ourselves or our friends will be back in a short while. We took a short break. We had a drink and we ate Haribo spooky Halloween ghost sweets I brought along for the lads as a little treat. And we discussed our next move. Rich was keen to return to the seance room where he'd felt panicky on our earlier tour with Georgia. With it being a large room and there being 12 seats around the table, we agreed to stay together and the four of us headed back upstairs just after 10 past 10.
The seance room is a panelled room, of which all of the carved wooden panels are original or restored, and depict all manner of symbolism from flowers to demons. The room was used as the mistress's bedroom, but it's now made up like a Victorian seance room with a large round table, which dominates the room, and it's so large that it had to be made inside the room. On the table are three Ouija boards, and in the centre, a very heavy, very elaborate crystal ball. Georgia had earlier told us that there's a secret room hidden within the panelled walls which can clearly be seen on the plans, but its belief has now been lost since the Knowles restructure at the end of the 19th century. As Rich, Tom and I picked a seat, John was keen to use a spirit level that he brought with him on both the floor and the table, as many believe that uneven floors can account for some reported paranormal phenomena. He was happy, however, that both the table and the floor were completely level. We spaced ourselves evenly around the table, and Tom picked up a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board before him and said, It says here on this Ouija board it was made by Hasbro. Didn't they make the Transformers toys? The Ouija board, made up of the French and German words for yes, was invented in 1890 as a parlour game. However, during World War I, the American spiritualist Pearl Curran popularised its use as a genuine means of contacting the dead, with her herself famously making contact with a 17th century poet by the name of Patience Worth. In 1924, world-famous magician Harry Houdini cast a shadow over the safety of using the boards, when he wrote of five people from California being driven insane after using the Ouija board. In the years and decades that followed, doctors noticed altered states of mind in regular users of the boards, and in a number of documented cases this was so severe that the user was committed to an asylum. December the 26th, 1973 saw the cinematic release of the classic horror film The Exorcist, and this proved to be the defining moment in the decline of the Ouija board. In the movie, a 12-year-old girl contacts a demon calling himself Captain Howdy through the Ouija board, and she becomes possessed, with disturbing results resulting in several deaths. The cinema-going public had never before seen a film so terrifying and so powerful. So much so that it caused mass panic and hysteria worldwide, with many cinemas in the UK refusing to show it. This led to enterprise and travel companies putting on exorcist bus tours, taking people brave enough to the nearest town showing the film. The cinema showing the movie had queues around the block and had ambulances on standby as a great many cinema goers fainted or became hysterical, and those who didn't rarely managed to stay until the end credits. The Exorcist is still regarded by many as the scariest film of all time, and this combined with stories which have since been confirmed as fact of the film being based on the very real possession of a young boy and a mysterious fire during filming that consumed the set, brought about the widespread belief that the Ouija board is in fact a portal to hell. Church congregation numbers swelled in early 1974 with the petrified public wanting to know how to avoid suffering the same fate as that poor little American girl they had seen on the big screen. The church's stance was, and still is, that the Ouija board is the dangerous, unholy tool of the devil. When loved ones pass on, they are no longer permitted to speak to the living. They remain silent until you are reunited with them in heaven. Therefore, if you do make contact with something through the Ouija board, even if they claim to be a dead loved one, you are in fact communicating with an evil spirit, possibly even Satan himself. These spirits will try and mislead you and deceive you, and if you will let them into your life, you will never be free of them. Upon hearing this from the church, people were burning their Ouija boards and shunning toy stores that stocked them on their shelves alongside genuinely harmless board games such as Monopoly, Kaplunk and Buckaroo. 
To this day, the Ouija board had failed to shake off its sinister connection with the evil and the dark side. Despite this, they are widely available, with online retailers such as Amazon stocking them for as little as $9.99. And Ouija is indeed a registered trademark of toy manufacturers Hasbro. We'd been on the daily tour of 35 Stonegate before, and as a result, we knew that there would be an opportunity to use these boards on our investigation. It was something we discussed earlier in the day, and Rich was against the idea due to a bad experience he'd had earlier in his life. Out of respect for our teammate and friend, we all agreed we wouldn't use them. John Rich and I pressed record on the three voice recorders we had with us, and we turned off our torches. The only light was now coming from the red dots on the webcam on the ceiling, and the eerie green glow from the luminous Ouija board in front of Tom. Rich began to explain aloud to any spirits with us who we were, why we were there, and he asked for some kind of sign that we weren't alone. At that very second the silence was shattered by a loud vibrating and beeping. It was Rich's mobile phone receiving a text. This made everyone jump for a moment, but burst into laughter once we realised what it was. I asked if that was a text message from beyond the grave, but it turned out to be Mrs Stogo dropping her new husband a good luck text. Order restored, and Rich's phone now on silent, we continued our vigil. Tom, John and I sat in silence as Rich led the session. Thirty minutes passed by, with absolutely no response to any of our questions, so we discussed bringing it to an end. However, as we quietly talked it over, Tom suddenly said, What was that? He'd explained he'd heard, and felt, a loud bang on the floor which seemed to come from between where him and John were sat. John confirmed he'd heard it too, but he hadn't moved, and was sure that he'd not made the noise. Our enthusiasm renewed, we made the wise decision of carrying on, and I'm so glad we did. Tom picked up where Rich had left off by asking aloud, and before he'd even finished his next question, Rich said, Did you feel that? And Tom, John and Richard all felt what Rich described as being a hard stomp on the floor. Tom and John agreed, however I didn't feel it. As they were discussing it, it happened again, and this time all four of us felt it. Then as we were discussing the second stomp, it happened again, then again, and again, with such regularity that it almost seemed like the footsteps of somebody in the room with us. John, as always, tried to come up with a rational explanation, suggesting that it may be the base of the music from the nearby pub. But after sitting in silence for a few minutes, I said that the music doesn't seem to be that loud, and I didn't feel or hear any more bangs during this period of silence. So we all agreed it seemed fairly certain that it couldn't be attributed to something outside of 35 Stonegate. It was something in the room with us. We began to ask out again with immediate responses in the form of footsteps. I couldn't feel or hear them this time, and Rich suggested I swap seats with him, as he felt like somebody was walking back and forth behind him. After swapping, I still couldn't feel anything, but John said that he could now feel constant vibrations in the floor around him. All of a sudden, and without warning, I felt like the darkness was consuming me, and I felt sick. It was then that I felt and heard what I'd been hoping for and dreading in equal measure footsteps behind me. Unmistakable footsteps walking from right to left before vanishing as quickly as it appeared. The sickness I felt disappeared, but was replaced by an icy chill in the air all around me that was so cold that my teeth began to chatter. We had five minutes of inactivity before the stomping started again, and then we heard a new sound, a series of knocks which seemed to come from the wall to the left of where I was sat. Then Rich said that he felt a cold spot around him, just as I had earlier, and then we heard and felt the footsteps again. It was as if somebody was circling us. The cold spot seemed to be making its way around the table, 
which was following the footsteps. John then said that he felt freezing cold, with every hair on his body standing on end. At this point, Rich said that things seemed to be getting a little out of hand, and that he'd like to turn on a torch to give us some light so we could see if anything was in the room with us. He picked up his torch and turned it on, but bizarrely after a few seconds it glowed really intensely, far brighter than it's usually lit, and then faded out completely. The room was lit up again as the torch flickered on and off as we all looked on, gobsmacked by what was unfolding before our eyes. It then faded out again. Rich tried to turn the torch off and on, but nothing happened. It was as if whatever was with us didn't want us to be able to see it. Over the next three or four minutes we sat quietly in the darkness, and we all felt footsteps walking around in the room with us. I now felt so sure that I was being watched, and I asked if anybody else felt the same. Rich promptly agreed. We'd had the most amazing 30 minutes of any investigation I'd been involved with in my 10 years of doing this up to this point. But just as suddenly as the knocks, footsteps and cold spots had begun, they stopped, and they were replaced by an overpowering musty smell, like the odour of an old house that hasn't been disturbed in decades. Just as we all thought that our scares had come to an end for now in the seance room, we got the biggest fright of all. We were sat in silence, when an incredibly loud interference-like noise came over the radio. We all jumped, and there were at least one or two curse words shouted out. Tom and I quickly clicked on our head torches, and John, who had the radio in his shirt pocket, seemed to be having some kind of panic attack, swearing loudly over and over again while holding his chest. Once the commotion had settled down, the radio sounded again. This time we could make out a female voice, which wasn't very clear, but she was saying, Are you all right? Do you need any help? John responded saying, We can't hear you very well, so we'll come and see you in your office. Over. There was a staticky response with the same female voice, but we couldn't make out what she was saying. Tom and I headed for base, while John and Rich went to see what Georgia wanted. However, they were astounded to discover that she'd made no effort to contact us at all all evening, other than at nine o'clock to let us know that the lights were going out. She said that it was possible it was some kind of interference from a nearby business, but she also said that that had never happened before. We can't be sure what it was. She accompanied John and Rich back to base to see how things had gone so far. just like a kind of weight on the floor. But is it constant or was it a one-off or just a one-off? I can't feel anything. I felt two, but it was yeah. separate. It was almost as if someone like on the landing had like stomped on the landing. There was another one there. Yeah, I felt that. Like was that you? No. When I you said stamped on the landing, did you not just do that? No, I didn't do anything. All right, I might have felt that much. maybe because I thought you would show an example of what would what happen. Rob, I think you should sit here and feel this. Feel what? Sit around there where you are? Yeah, sit there. Yeah, basically what we're feeling with you two just walking across the room is what we, uh, Stucco and I felt. Okay, just, just sit still. 
Okay. Ten feet on the floor. Feel that? No. You're doing two foot steps when he said feet on the floor. I felt two bangs there. Uh, but I thought you would step forward twice. I leant forward. I didn't touch the table, I don't think, though. No, not table, just the actual feet when he said. Yeah, I'm still feeling small vi- vibration on the floor now. I can't feel anything over here. Can you feel that? My legs are feeling like a tingly now. It's conscious when you're walking around the table. Yeah, must be how you're always. My legs are starting to feel a bit cold and tingly, but I think that's just because of the. Oh, okay. Come, 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 come sit over this side. You've got my head torch in front of you, mate. Is there anybody in this room with us? Please, can you stomp on the floor? I felt that. No, no. I, I didn't feel anything there. Maybe if there is someone moving, probably they're moving around the table, so we're experiencing it at different times. If you are moving around the table, can you just, do you want to like, sit back in your chair? So is that you? That I, was me I am sitting right. back in my chair. No, that was okay. I'm going to sit back in my chair now, because when you said sit back in your chair, I stretched my legs out, right. pushed myself back, and I kicked my table. Nobody move. Is that you back in there? I uncrossed my legs, but right. I didn't touch anything. And I settled both feet on the floor, because I'm all crossed over there. I've got both feet flat on the floor now. Everyone sit still. Is anybody with us in this room? Can, please, can you continue to make those vibrations on the floor? Can you stomp on the ground or walk next to us? I'm not getting anything there. Nothing. Turn the lights off again, maybe. Again, if it was the person that we were talking about earlier, you seem to be between myself and John. I'm feeling vibrations feel there now. I still can't feel a thing. That's fantastic. If this is you, could you walk around towards Rob and give him some vibrations? That's the guy opposite me. Stomp loudly behind him or around him. Who's bang there? That's that's nice. I'm not feeling anything at the moment. Bro. So hang on. So you could, you and John could both feel vibrations. Yeah. Was it one or two or was it constant or yeah. was two and kind of half of one? So what, did you get, what did you feel, John? Something similar. I didn't. Have a, I don't have as accurate count though. Yeah, it's just yeah, like footsteps. What was this? Was it behind us? Was it? Was it? Right, okay, did it feel really close to you? I don't have any view. Oh, but I just felt a good one there. But uh, I was you still like tingling a bit, but uh, I got you there. I feel sick. Good, sick, bad, sick. Like I'm gonna be sick. Uncomfortable, sick. Generally bad. Trying to go back to base. Like, is there a reason why I feel sick? Uh, I don't know, just a bit ill. Heart racing? Bad stick. You all felt that, didn't you? I didn't feel Somebody anything that time. There. Bro? No, I didn't feel I anything. I like someone's uncrossed I haven't felt anything. I didn't. That yeah. made a noise, that one. You must have heard that, but... It felt like someone like had uncrossed the legs or something. My feet being flat on the floor. And put one foot on the floor, so I might have flat on the floor. My, my feet are sore. My feet are... I uncrossed them before when I said I was uncrossed. It's kind of like this. Yeah. Do you imagine like me legs again?
My legs are like all tingly. Has anyone else got like tingling sensations in the legs? Pins and needles in my feet. Yeah. But I think that's off trying to keep them still so much. Right, everybody stay totally still. Totally still now. Still? Okay. Like tingles in my legs. Thank you for communicating with us. Fellow bumper. Can you please, please give us one big we need a definite stomp on the floor so that definitely know that you're here? You feel that? No. Who is he here? Come on, show all of us that one big, big movement that you hear. One big noise, come on. I'm feeling many small vibrations there. So, uh, come on, give us a big one. Is this somebody in the room or is this somebody's walking past the room? Walk past. Come on, big one, come on. Big, big. Walk around with bang your feet, come on. Some of the positive energy. Yeah, come on. Can you feel anything now? Nothing immediately, no. No. Oh, I just felt something there. Did you? Yeah. That was the first time I felt it. There was somebody just walked behind us. Yeah. But it was like, there was there was three steps, but two of them felt really close, and then the third one was if somebody was walking away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. As if they were walking behind steps, me. Yeah. As if they were walking behind me and then towards you or towards the window. Yeah. I don't think oh, I feel all there. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've had any definite ones behind us. Most yeah, of them have been on the back of my neck, isn't that? No, yeah. I don't like that. Right behind you. I feel like there's somebody watching us from behind us. It's horrible. Okay, lights back on. Um, let's be all of us, haven't it? I don't know if I like it's been behind us. I'm also that's like been all that. That's the first time I've felt anything. I didn't like that though. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like just steps walking past you. I just heard something there. Do you know why I heard a scuffle on the floor on the like on the carpet behind me a second ago? I just heard a knock there, but it sounded like it was on the other side of this wall. Exactly. It wasn't outside. It was like sounded like it was on the other side of this wall. If you're trying to communicate with us, thank you. This I feel really using calls. I've just gone bitterly. Just uh, I think they need that. giving that five minutes late. Um, this is weird. Thank you very much for communicating with us. This is brilliant. We really appreciate your hard work. Okay, nobody move at all. Um, Whoa, massive cold spot. Where? Where are you? Well, I'm just. I, was fine. I don't know if it's travelling around, so I thought freezing. Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was fine when you said that you you, uh, you you were feeling cold, but now like every hair on my body's just stood up. I got that before. Full on goose pimples. Yeah. Icy chill. Tom, have you felt anything? I'm okay again yeah. now. I feel slightly apprehensive, but have you felt? Any, did you feel any of the steps? I've heard the steps, and I felt the steps, and I felt the shuffle of someone's legs, putting it moving down, but. Right. I don't feel like it's been like around me more so than it's been like Ooh, footsteps there. No, no. But that's weird that you and John are on opposite sides of the table and you felt yeah. it and neither of us did. I feel more activity towards kind of John's area. Yeah. Was that you? And yeah, lad. Rob, was that you? No. So 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 someone made a click a, a sound just in the general direction of Rob. No, there's massive there was stuff. Was it left all that way? There's a knock knock next to Rob. No, I don't hear this. Oh. My, both my feet are flat on the floor, I've not moved them. I feel freezing cold. I'm okay again. I think there's a draft coming in from somewhere right. over us. That was observed by you. Was it Stoke who noticed a draft over there? I did notice the draft there. Yeah. Oh, was there was a draft, yeah, from somewhere. Not when I was sitting down, but when I stood up. Who do you feel that? No. No. John? No. <laughs> what was it? 
Do you think it could be outside the base or something? That was my, my earlier suggestion, but it seems it's not rhythmic and it's been going on longer than one would, song would. We would yeah. it, it's not, because it's not, we're higher up than what a... Hang on, should we try and work out? In the if we're just quiet for a second, I'm curious as to whether the songs they're playing are, are particularly bass. I don't think I've heard any tunes from there. Don't comment at the moment if you feel any vibrations or anything, just try and listen. Again. Yeah. I felt one vibration then. I felt kind of sort of I felt nothing at all. Um, no real music from over there. It's just lots of talking. I mean, there's obvious. Yeah. I, can, I can hear background music. Yeah, it's not very loud. It's, it's not loud. It's, and there's no carrying bass. Obvious footsteps walking past on the street outside. But Did you hear that knock next to John? Like, yeah. like off the door behind them? Yeah. Uh, I never heard it. Can I see it? But, uh, I didn't notice. Oh. My torch has gone fucked. Is that the torch? I thought it was the torch. Oh. Okay, guys. Um, Interesting. My, my LED torch that I lent to Stoko has been blinking on and off. That was me putting it in the middle of the table. And it's just turned off. Just turned I have a off. cold spot right now. Right, can I have some lights on, please? Because this torch is... Just, just for the benefit of the tasting, um, there's so much to tell you to be honest. <laughs> there was a knock behind okay. John, which Tom and Rich clearly heard, and the both. You're here talking quite loudly at the time, though. Who me? Do you know Robert's talking quite loudly at the time? Well, I thought about Yeah. So I was saying what was happening outside in there. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying you were saying um, no But then Rich said he wanted some lights on, and he put John the torch on. Good. And if it's not, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't stay on, it was going off. It went off completely, reached through it in the middle of the table. I passed it to John, and now it's working perfectly fine, so... Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's nearly quarter to eleven at, at night, and um, this has been interesting. I don't know what to make of it all. Do you think we've genuinely experienced something unusual? Do you think what what's happened so far can be explained? Bangs, we've had the torch incident, but of course, I mean, anything electronic, it could be down with batteries. Seems yeah. weird that it's back on now, though. Can you feel that? Yeah. yeah. No. no. Rob, stop seeing it again. <laughs> I do probably not. Probably new. Uh, you're welcome, mate. I don't want to sit there anymore, I don't like it. I'm not picking these up, like. Oh, did you? I'll just my phone. Okay, everyone's a bit still. Oh, you can't, Shut lights off or back on. I feel so much happier sitting here, I don't like that, over there, yes. Oh, lights off. Oh, my lights off. So Yours don't have to be. Are you in a board appointment? You. Does it Anyone hear that behind me? Nope. No. Nope. What was it? It's a creak. Could be just a creak, but... Does anybody hear us? Please walk around the table so that we can feel you walking around. Come on. We mean you no harm. Give away signs. We just want to know that you're here. Please, can you give us one big sign that you're walking around the table or walking with us? Can you give us one big stomp on the floor? I'm feeling some minor vibrations there. Yeah. Please keep trying. Please knock well, on the floor. Well, that's not bad. Yep. That was fantastic. Thank you very much.
Can you do it again for us? It was much fainter, but it yeah. Was. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. You you have really helped us. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Ooh, there was a big one there. Yeah. Well, oh, was that you? No, there was a knock next to me though. I heard something next to you. I put the light on. Alright. Yeah. yeah. My feet are flat on the floor. I'm not touching the table. Like a big. But it was like a knock. It was like a knock yeah. against this chair or against something around here. Yeah. Because I heard that, but I thought it was. I thought it was either coming from whatever's next door, be it like a different building or something, or over like there. But it felt like it was like here somewhere, but I don't know yeah, what it was. Yeah, it was on top of you from here. Yeah. I thought you down just uncrossed your legs again. Not my legs uncrossed, they were flat on the floor. Cause no, I yeah, yeah. yeah, that was me showing you what I was doing. And we've had lots of stamps, but once that could be something to do with being or next door doing something, or yeah. someone downstairs pumping out some noise or. If it was base, it would be a constant thing. I don't know, but uh, there must, there could be this explainable thing. Right? There could be someone outside walking around. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Might be floorboards, contract on. There was some banging on doors or windows. I mean, we're the only people walking around in here, mate. I know, but it's still not without knowing that there's not somebody walking around outside trying to sort of look well. Yes. If there's a spirit trying to communicate with us, if you're walking around the room, we thank you for your cooperation. Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of noise outside and possible movement around this building. Can you give us some sort of more definite sign? Is that, are you able to make a, a, def- a definite bang, strike the table, touch one of us, speak aloud? You can touch one of us, if you like. Make us cold again. I got cold while I was actually asking that there. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else feel like they're being watched? Yeah. Oh, we are on webcam. No, That's not true. not that though. Like as if there's just something. I don't quite well, really cold. I feel alright. Yeah, but it was when I was over there. I'm alright as well. And you felt like uneasy in this one. I just still rather comfortable just to actually feel. I felt genuinely terrified at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just as if there was somebody standing behind us watching or like staring at us. It was horrible. Because it was the only time I felt the footsteps, but it wasn't like a bang, like you know how a constant bass sound just kind of goes on and on and on. It was as if I felt a footstep behind us, then another footstep after that, and then a one moving away from us, and it was was most uncomfortable. Did anyone feel that? No. Did anyone feel that? No. I'm feeling the normal sort of vibration of his footsteps again. Yeah. Are they normal though? What do you mean by normal vibration of footsteps? Just mild. It's like when you uncross your legs and your foot, your heel goes bump on the carpet. Yeah. I'm cold. I'm fine. I'm alright. I'm alright, I've got my foot up. <laughs> we aren't here to play parlor games and we do respect you. We, we don't want you to feel like you're a clown or, or just playing with us but we do appreciate you trying to make contact with us please can you just put all of your energy into giving us two raps on the table two knocks on a wall I want to move the table no, no I didn't anyone feel that no. I heard it creak it's like oh Robert I'm more like moving it I thought just like moving what? the table well like that. I don't think you can move the table to be honest mate no, I feel that when I try to move it 
We think we can hear you trying to move the table. Please try it again. He knocked twice on the table. Seems to be a bit quiet now, they kind of... Even yeah. like, vibration. If that was a, a, a spirit, maybe it's expended itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 hell. What's your oh, name? I think I just had a heart attack. What <laughs> <laughs> was it? I don't know, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> just generic static. What did you say? You say, what did you say? That's something. Or repeat again, please. Repeat again, please. Actually, all right. <laughs> I, I have a physical pain in my chest right now. <laughs> I don't. It's not a heart attack. I just jumped in another. I think I think I've just pulled a muscle in. That's I didn't. I couldn't tell that was a voice at all. It's just static. We, Can um, we leave this room and then I will try and radio Georgia. Or we'll just go and play it. Or, oh, yeah, that's, that's good an idea. <laughs> Are you okay? Oh, Alright. No, just say we're okay. Don't you want your phone? Yeah, no. I think the only medical yeah. emergency oh, yeah. is there. Uh, <laughs> I can't hear. Is that more company with you? Uh, we can't hear what you're saying. You're coming through with a, uh, a lot of static. We're coming down to your office to see you. Rich told Georgia that we'd spent time in the lantern room and the dining room with little success. But the sales room had been a major result, with such a flurry of constant activity for almost an hour that had left all four of us in a state of almost disbelief. I personally was a little distracted as I desperately attempted to rationalise the experiences that Rich proceeded to tell Georgia all about. The definite footsteps, which we had all independently felt and heard, and which seemed to be moving around the table and all around us with purpose. The cold spots, which seemed to follow the footsteps, and when Rich said he needed some light, what exactly happened to his torch, which was now working perfectly fine, as Rich spoke, Georgia smiled knowingly and nodded. That makes sense, and those are all things that have been reported in that room before. As I said earlier, the room was the mistress's bedroom, and it was a very private location, as very few people would have ever been allowed inside that room. So the master of the house is anything but happy to have dozens of people passing through the room on the daily tours, often with 12 people sat around the large table in the room. He walks around behind people, with the intention of imposing his authority, as even today he considers this building to be his home and he wants to ensure that people don't forget that he's still about. She went on to tell us, there's a second ghost associated with the seance room, a young servant girl who fell pregnant to the master. She gave birth in the room, which is now the lantern room, but sadly the baby was stillborn. Fearing his wife would learn of what had happened, the master threw the servant to her death from the window of the seance room, and she has remained bound to this room ever since. Sadly, she doesn't realise she's dead, and she is a very tragic, very lonely figure. I'm surprised you didn't have any success in the lantern room, as that is a room with a lot of history. Much earlier in the building's history, that room was actually part of the monastic building next door, which was built by the church for the monks of York. The monks used to pimp out local girls on Grape Alley, a dark alley not far from here that which in the 14th century was called Grape Cunt Alley, with grape being the old English word for grope, as that's what men would come here for. When the room became part of this house, it was used as a servant's quarters, and it was in this room where the birth of the stillborn baby happened. The main spirit known in this area is that of a matron, a bossy woman who has been known to push and pull visitors in this area, as in life she would have been responsible for making sure the servants were just where they were meant to be, 
On hearing this, Rich spoke up about being pushed just outside the lantern room on the earlier walk around. Something that came as a surprise to Tom and John, as I was the only person he told. And it now seemed that he may well have had an encounter with the matron, as it sounded very similar to what Georgia had just described. She went on to tell us the dining room has naval connections, and a lot of mediums to the building pick up on this. It is feasible that there was a gentleman master here at some point connected to the Navy. However, it's also believed that there may be a connection which would tie into the stone tape theory that when the room was restored in recent years, it was done so with wood taken from shipwrecks, and this has somehow stirred up the activity within the room. At 11.30pm, Georgia wished us luck as she headed back to the office, and the four of us headed back down to the cellar, much to John's reluctance. The cellar somehow seemed darker now, and it was undoubtedly much colder than it had been earlier in the evening. We checked on the trigger objects, a stack of pennies, but unfortunately they'd not moved. Why don't we try the human pendulum down here, asked Rich, an experiment we'd had limited success with on our previous investigation back in July at York Dungeon. The human pendulum experiment is where one person stands still, breathing deeply, with their arms by their sides and their eyes closed. Another person will stand in front of them and another behind. The person in front then asks for any spirits present to use this person to communicate with us and show the sign for yes and the sign for no. This is followed by specific questions that will have yes or no answers. The way that the person falls, who's acting as the human pendulum, indicates the answer to the question. Everyone was open to giving it a try, and Rich offered himself up to be the pendulum. He took his position in the centre of the floor, arms by his side, feet close together, and Tom stood behind him and John in front. Tom spoke out to the spirits with us in the room, asking for the sign to be yes, to be a forward motion, and for no, Richard fall backwards. As Tom proceeded to ask questions, I left them to it, and unbeknown to the others, I decided to spend some time alone in the enclosure beneath Stonegate, the area which Georgia had suggested we might want to check out if we were feeling brave. I stood in the doorway and shone my head torch into the hollow. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not scared of spiders anywhere near as much as John, but I don't like them one bit either, and as it appeared, no one had dared to go beneath Stonegate for a long while, as everywhere I looked, there was gigantic cobwebs home to gigantic spiders. Ah well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I turned off my torch, plunging myself into absolute darkness, and tentatively made my way into the pitch-black opening beneath the ancient street. After only five minutes, which seemed like hours, I left the dark hollow, reflecting on the fact that I had been stood on the original Roman level. It had been surprisingly quiet, considering it was late on a Saturday night, and the street above had been fairly noisy with late-night drinkers coming and going from pubs such as the Evil Eye Lounge, which was almost opposite, and the Punch Bowl. I sat down on a chair next to where the others were still conducting their human pendulum experiment, and they were having some success with Tom continuing to ask out. Did you live in this house? The answer was yes, as Rich fell forward, John catching him as Rich came to. As he retook his position, he said he felt like he'd been pushed in the back. Did something bad happen to you here? Rich fell forward, signalling a yes. Were you killed here? Again this was a yes, with Rich falling forward with force and John struggling to catch him. We continued to ask questions, with the spirits appearing to provide answers via Rich to each one. We established that there were four spirits with us, one of which was trapped here, as she, or he, were murdered in the cellar. Rich and I swapped places, and I closed my eyes, put my arms by my side, and tried to zone out, breathing deeply and clearing my mind. 
which told me that it had been an unusual sensation, like a build-up of pressure to the point where he couldn't help but fall. John was in front of me and Tom behind. I barely even heard the first question Rich asked. Are there four spirit people here with us? I felt like I'd been in some kind of trance as John caught me. I couldn't even remember falling, but I heard Rich say, so that's a yes, there's four spirits with us. We are friendly and come with respect. Are you friendly? Tom caught me as I'd fallen backwards signalling a no, and this terrifyingly meant that I'd just been pushed backwards by spirits that had told us that they weren't friendly. Are there any spirits here in this room that are good and don't mean us any harm? I fell backwards again, signalling a worrying no. Rich said, there's negative energy here, and we all agreed that we shouldn't continue with the human pendulum with the risks that the spirits who are controlling the pendulum could attempt to harm us. I was still coming around, and we heard screaming coming from nearby. However, it wasn't in the room with us, or even in the building. It was some drunks fighting on the street outside. On the back of some impressive results with the human pendulum, we decided to try and make contact by attempting another experiment that we tried for the first time at York Dungeon. One that was unique to our group, as it was one of John's design. We stood in a circle with a gap between John and Tom, then invited whoever may be with us to join the circle. We pressed record on three separate digital voice recorders and John would ask a question such as what is your name and we would go around the circle taking turns to answer in the hope that when we reached the gap we would capture an answer on the voice recorder by somebody who may have decided to join us and take that space. It was definitely worth a try after the success with the human pendulum. Unfortunately, upon listening back to the recordings, there was nothing out of the ordinary. We hadn't given up on the cellar so I suggested we simply spread ourselves out around the room and sit in silence for maybe 10 minutes and just see what we could hear, see, feel or smell. Tom bravely said that he'd like to tackle the hollow beneath the road, so it was agreed. John and Rich would sit in the cellar and Tom and I would spend some time out in the two small areas beneath Stonegate on the level of the old Roman road. After only a couple of minutes, Tom said that he heard a noise behind him, but on further investigation it was water dripping. Shortly afterwards, I felt something climbing up my leg. In a bit of a panic, I tried to brush whatever it was off me. Then I put my torch on, but I couldn't see what it had been, which was probably for the best if I was to have the nerve to spend much longer in that spot. Ten minutes passed, frustratingly without anything happening whatsoever. I checked my watch, and it was after midnight. Prior to the investigation, the cellar was the room I was most excited about spending time in, but rather reluctantly, we agreed we had to move on, as there was still plenty of the house we'd not explored yet, and we were determined to spend more time back in the seance room. Okay, the time is 20 past 11. Uh, we are standing in the cellar of Haunted, a creepy cobwebby room, if ever there was one. Rob and Tom are moving out into the extra creepy damp and spider infested uh, hole under the street uh, which is looks very unpleasant and I'm not going out there um, okay. whoa whoa I don't know it's almost as if like, the entire world sort of started doing that the street gent it just entered this room with the guy with the green hoodie the hoodie top the kind of pointing out he's going to stand in the middle of myself and John the guy I'm pointing out now what we're going to do is we're going to ask a series of questions. If the answer is yes, 
would like you to use your energy or use the energy within this room to move Richard by the middle towards John, the guy I'm pointing at. And if the answer is no, I'd like you to move him backwards towards me. So he's going to then start to be loose. And again, I say it. If the answer is yes, move toward, forward, move him forward, push him forward physically, just move him with the energy. If the answer is no, move him back towards me. Is there anyone amongst us, first of all? My first question, again, yes, is moving Richard forward. No, I was just think that was weird. That was really weird. Fantastic. I was, I was, sorry. That's great. So yes, it is. That's what we want here. Do you like us being here? Do you like us being here? As he's not moving too much, I'll take that as an indifferent and you don't mind. Do you have some unfinished business? Is that some, a reason why you can't rest? Did you live in this house? and you therefore lived within the, the property. Do you have bad experience that happened to you within this property? Something really bad happened to you and that's why you can't rest? Is there more than one person here amongst us? Or is it solely just one person or one person?
también. Este yo también. Ah, pero este sí. Sí, este sí. Pues también. We are friendly and we come with respect. Are you friendly as well? Yes or no? There's more than one. Not friendly. Or at least one of you aren't friendly. Okay. Are there any any spirits or any people here besides us four who are good and don't mean us any harm? You got us back there. I've got it. What does that mean? I don't know if that's a No. There's negative energy in this room. It means the bad people. this room now. Does this anger you? We are only here to communicate. Are you angered by this? Are you happy that we are still staying here? We know that we are not welcome here. 
Would you like us to leave? Okay, so you're indifferent with us being here. Is there anybody in this room besides us four men? Do you want us to leave? Do you feel anything or do you just not feel anything? I think I feel too much. I don't know. I don't think I'll lose you can I'll just trip you out. I'm just doing it. Yeah, I think I think too much about not falling over. I don't know, like Tom to go in one of them and then the rest of us go back to base and then we come back together in about 10 minutes. That's it. I think we do some normal investigation. No, no, that was a genuine suggestion. Why? You have 10 minutes? We'll come back at you. We'll come out and get it in 10. Ah. When was Dorset like in the upper left? Well, one cut through the other You can go in there if you want. I'll move the city in. Right. John, are you going in the left one and I'll go in the little right one? I am not going in one of those bits at all. You can go on the right, you can go on the right one. The left one's bigger. It's got nothing to do with uh, anything ghostly. I just do not want to go in there. Are you, going, you go in one, Rich, and I'll go in the other one. No, I'm not, I'm not a fan of spiders. There's loads out there. So no, there's no. none. I'll poke around. I'm, I'm nah, just I'm scared, scared, I I'm scared of spiders as well. We no, no, just no. in case any get down my back. <laughs> I don't think I saw any like, spiders. Spider spiders are you can take one, I'll take the other and we'll meet you somewhere in half an hour. Hey, what's the? Hmm? So why don't we have to be in here and we go and meet you? Yeah, we can ask you. Okay. Back at base, we took the weight off and I commented on just how much the temperature had dropped as I poured myself a hot cup of coffee from my flask, the steam passing through the beam of my head torch. We briefly discussed how we felt the evening had gone so far, but we knew with only a couple of hours remaining at 35 Stonegate, we'd have plenty of time for reflection tomorrow. What we needed to do now was establish where we were going to go next. There's a tap, because I'm saying, you know, thanks for trying to communicate with us, and you hear it, and then immediately go, what was that? So, I mean, did you wait for a second before you said, well, literally maybe a second? Right. Not very long. Because I don't think there was more than about half a second in between the tap and you speaking out. But, um, well, I've, I've got something on there, so I'll have a look at that later on. Shortly afterwards, we were headed to our next locations. Rich and Tom were going to the mask room. When the Knowles family was here, this was a library, but now the room is named for the decorative masks adorning every wall. A lot of people feel the need to watch the masks, as if they don't trust them, especially on investigations. The masks have all been used at some point. They aren't decorative. Some will have been used in ceremonies, and they are from all over the world. Some believe that the activity in the room may be associated to the masks' actual usage in the past. Some of them are pretty old, and a lot of them were found in the house when the owner at the time took over. John and I were going to the room next to the mask room, the mirror room. The mirror room is rather unusual in that all of the walls are mirrored, hence the name, as is the ceiling. The only exception is the curved wall on the left when you enter the room, upon which an image of the visitor is captured and projected onto the wall and is said to show their aura. There have been some unusual things seen in the mirrors and on the projection wall, one of the most common being a bicycle propped up against the wall. Georgia would later tell us that in the old days, this was used as a drop-through for deliveries for the kitchen. The mirror room is fairly small and there are no seats. John and I took a lot of photographs into the mirror as some paranormal investigators believe that we can see things in the mirror that we can't see in the room with us at the time. I'll never forget a religious education lesson I had at school when I was 11 or 12. 
and someone asked the teacher, Miss, do ghosts exist? And she said, I honestly can't answer that, but I suggest you try and avoid looking into mirrors after dark. As a child, that chilled me to the bone, but 20 years on, and that's precisely what I was doing. And it wasn't just any mirror. It was a mirror in the most haunted building of the most haunted city in Europe. Ten minutes passed by uneventfully, so we joined Rich and Tom next door in the mask room. I sat down next to Rich and they continued with their session. After a couple of minutes, Rich and I said we both felt cold at the same time, and rather bizarrely, we simultaneously had an itchy back. At 12.30pm we moved to the attic, the room which we would be the first group to ever investigate. Georgia would later tell us that this room was used as sleeping quarters for female servants and their children. Due to it being a room that very few people would ever go into, it was fairly empty, with wooden chairs down both sides of the wall, a bookshelf with an assortment of hardbacks and haunted flyers. And by that, I mean flyers promoting haunted, and offering a rather generous discount, rather than bits of paper that are actually haunted, groaning and flying around the room. They were piled high on a couple of the chairs. The attic proved to be disappointing, but perhaps if we'd had more time, we may have been fortunate enough to experience some of the happenings which Georgia told us has turned sceptical members of staff into firm believers once they've spent some time alone in there. We are now up in the attic at Haunted. The four of us are here in search of information on, on life after death. We come in peace, we come with respect. If it would please you, uh, please answer our questions. <coughs> if there's anyone here, would you please like to uh, tell us your name? We may not hear your voice with our own ears, but we have, have devices with us that uh, will, will hopefully reveal you to us later. If you are able to make any form of uh, physical sign, knock on the walls, the door, to touch one of the four of us, we would appreciate greatly if you could do that. Otherwise, I'll proceed with a few questions. I've already asked you your name. Could you repeat it again, please? Could you please tell us what year you believe this is? Sorry, John. You're saying. Could you please tell us the year of your birth? some form of connection to this place. 
you tell us what that connection is? Did you live here? Did you work here? Did you die here? Again, if there is anyone able to hear my voice, please, please give us a sign. being here in this house? With time now being at a premium, we decided our next move while we were in the attic rather than returning to base. Rich and I would spend 20 minutes in the dining room and Tom and John would go to the lantern room. Opposite the door to the dining room is a large bay window with a seating area, so you can look along the length of stone gate below. The curtains are always open so there was light coming in. The street was very lively, as you may expect on a Saturday night in the centre of York. Above the fireplace was a stag's head on the wall which Tom had earlier nicknamed Bambi, as he'd found it creepy, and given it a cute nickname made it less scary. There were also many paintings and a highly decorative ceiling above us. Most interesting to us, however, were two large mirrors on opposite walls of the dining room, as on our earlier tour, Georgia had pointed these mirrors out, and said that people often see figures in the mirror that they can't see in the room with them. Twenty minutes passed by without anything of note happening, and we met the others back at base to find out that they'd found the lantern room as quiet as Rich and I had earlier. It's 53 minutes past midnight. Okay. Tom and I are in the lantern room. I believe we are both recording. Yeah. Uh, just a quick description of the room. Smallish room. Uh, space that looks like it might have been a fireplace or stove at some point. Um, Lots of quite low beams across the ceiling. The actual ceiling itself is pointed, uh, the chimney rising up through it and quite high. From from the ceiling hangs a, a number of uh, old metal and glass lanterns that give the room its nickname. Uh, I'm going to take a seat on a church bench type pew thing. Uh, uh, Tom is sitting across from me. Hello. Um, I'm and John. We'll come here to find out more about you. We mean you no harm. We've got the utmost respect. We just want to learn about you and want we're here if you want to communicate with us. So what we've got is we've got two devices, one by myself, one by John. And we believe that you can use energy to to communicate with us through them. If you can do that, then that's fantastic. Please do so. 
but also if you can just do us things by knocking on walls or touching one of us or walking amongst us, walking off the floorboards, and that's fantastic. What we're going to do is going to turn my lights off. We're going to we're not going to be here for long, so we've got five minutes. If you could tell us as much as you can using either the devices or by just making noises so that we know you're here. If we hear that you're here, then we will continue to ask more and we may get our colleagues, our friends, I should say, to come and join us and we'll continue our communications further. So, lights off, five minutes. Please come and share yourself with us. It's one right now. Right, we've, as I said, we're only going to be here for a short time. The five minutes that we said we're going to be here is now up. At 1.15, it was time to return to the seance room. Something we were all a little concerned about given what Georgia had told us, as it seemed likely that we'd been in the presence of the master of the house earlier, a powerful entity who clearly didn't want us there. I led the way as we climbed the staircase approaching the room, and John did nothing to put us at ease when he said, did anyone else just feel like there was five people walking up the stairs there rather than four? We all stopped and looked at him and he said, when Rob turned around there, I caught a glimpse of five shadows in the beam from his torch, rather than just us four. We spent 45 minutes in the seance room with the same amazing results as before. Cold spots and footsteps moving all around the room. This time the activity came and went in a five minute spell. So what we'd like to do is we're going to sit here in the same position as earlier. Feel that? Yeah. yeah. Thank you if that is you and you're still all amongst us. We'd like you to, as previously, thank Feel you. That. I haven't done We'd like you to keep it. walking around amongst us. If you want, you can knock and bang and give us some other signs that you are here. Touch one of us, sit down beside one of us. So we're just going to be quiet now. We're going to listen and see what, what it is that you're trying to tell us. Help us communicate with us. Please continue to walk around this table, circle us. Is that you, bro? Who's walking? You stomping. No, I haven't moved. My feet, my feet are both flat on the floor. This is your room, this is your house. We are merely guests in your house. We recognise that you are the authority here, and if you wish to walk around, around us, that is your prerogative to do so. Please continue to do so if that's what you want to do. Again, it's not this guy's house anymore, is it? 
mind if I put on a little bit of light? I've just put my compass out on the table. Well, I'm not uncertain. I think it'll still be your house. No, it's not spinning or anything. Creepy. I just want to see if there's any like weird magnetic fields or anything causing it that might cause it to spin or do yeah. something. You get any weird magnetic fields, John? Don't think so. No. Well, this table's pretty even as well. Yeah, I checked the uh, table with that before. Rob was suggesting checking the floor in case the table was cu cunningly made to uh, offset the. Uh, well, it's a good thing if you make a snooker table top. and the floor is uneven, you just compensate for it when you put the legs on it. Because when this table was designed, they knew it was staying in this room because you couldn't get it out of the room if you wanted to. So yeah. they'd have put a spur any they'd have put a spur level on the table to make sure the table was level, and if needs yeah. be, raise or lower the legs. So it's it's possible. Probably, I would say the floor's not even because none of the floors in this building seem to be. Yeah. Do you feel that? No. Depends, what was it? Like a bumpy vibration, you think, I guess. Right, so we'll turn the lights off and go back to what we're doing because we're getting a few results and now it's all gone a bit odd. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bumps and vibrations. I don't feel vibrations just in my seat now, I don't know what that's Yeah, I can feel it too. Stopped. I feel freezing cold. Fine. I don't know if there's a draft going through behind us or something. So Did you move there? No, nope. I didn't. I yeah. felt, the, felt the floor go though. Yeah. Hey, you I yawned. yawned. Why were we asking if I'd done I just thought it, it just sounded like you'd straighten your legs. Or something. I don't know. No, I did a yawn. We believe there might be a lady among us who perhaps might feel somewhat trapped in the house. If you are here, please can you knock on the table so we know that you are here? Lady present, please can you knock on a wall or if you can touch one of us so that we know that you are here. Please don't be shy, we are very friendly, we're just here to learn more about you and ask you some questions. We're not here to judge and we're not here to harm. Please can you knock on something twice if you are among us. I heard a noise next to Tom there. What sort of noise? I didn't hear anything. I don't know. No, either. Well, it might have just been the ear fell off the screen. I'm assuming that was stuck or scratching. That was me, I felt like someone picked up the back of my head. I heard something behind Rob there. Did you? Yeah. What was that like? It was like a radiator clicking cold. I don't know if there is any radiators behind me. 
I wouldn't imagine there would be with the wood panels, but I don't know what's behind us. Let's have a look. It's up to you. I don't know where I've put my hair torch. Got it really cold. Hang on, questions that needs asking. Was that someone buying? Do you know what interests me? Not a very thing that happened. The torch. Yeah. Because it, w- it wouldn't work when all that activity was going on and how many problems have you had with it since? Or none. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's interesting. Because it was kind of like when there was like a hive of activity, you know, when it was just seemed to be sp- like everybody had something going on. Yeah. Seems weird. Been an interesting night. When we didn't have any other light on, you put that on to give a bit of light, and it was as if something was saying that. Yeah, exactly. Twenty-five to two in the morning. Still in the sales room. Last five minutes. Do you want to just try, try the torch again? See. She's a little bit, see, just by moving or something makes it flicker. Do you want to do so- batteries around or anything? Nope. Make sure that the batteries don't move if you. Like so weird, that you know. So I rolled it across the table to me. I picked it up. It's fine. I rolled it back. Because it was like it was on its last legs, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. Out of everything that's happened, that's probably the most interesting thing in my eyes. Because of the timing as well. Yeah. Right. End of the sales room. Ah, it's, it's freezing in here now. Can I just say goodbye? am <laughs> 43 a.m. At 2am, it was time to draw our investigation at 35 Stonegate to a close. And we made our way downstairs and back to the base where Georgia was waiting for us. I passed comment to the others on the incident with Richard's torch almost three hours earlier, pointing out that it had worked perfectly without a single flicker ever since. Back at base, we chatted with Georgia about how our evening had gone. We told her about our disappointment in the cellar, and she was surprised as she said there's usually a lot of activity down there, although some of it may be psychological as it is a dark, scary room at the base of a dark, scary house. She also filled in some of the blanks around the history of the room. In the 1600s, somebody was chained up and left to die in the hollow beneath Stonegate. Their remains were hidden for a very long time, with the chains only being found in the last century during refurbishments by the Knowles family to turn it into a kitchen. During the First and Second World War, it was used as a soup kitchen. Rich mentioned our human pendulum experiment and that we'd appear to make contact with somebody who said they were killed in the room. We all wondered if it had been the same tragic soul Georgia had just told us about. Tom was curious about the secret room in the seance room, and asked Georgia if she knew anything more. She told us that from the plans from the building and the plans of the building next door, it appears to be on the wall on the right when you walk in. However, due to the panels being listed, it is impossible to investigate further and see what lies behind the wall. Perhaps some dark secret wall had been hidden from plain view for hundreds of years. We may never know.
I found this very interesting, considering the knocking we'd heard earlier appeared to come from on or behind that very wall. We said our goodbyes and thanked Georgia so much for giving up her Saturday night for us, and the four of us stepped outside to be met by a cold and very wet night. It was raining very heavily, and we had a 20-minute walk back to the car. Even though it was after 2am, the streets were still full of people out and about, and we were the only ones who weren't absolutely hammered, for there were lots and lots and lots of drunk people out and about in York. After our hurried walk, we were glad to get into the warmth of my car. We were soaked through and all ready for some much-needed sleep. Despite this, we chatted excitedly about what had happened at 35 Stonegate, and whether we felt it had lived up to our lofty expectations. Shortly afterwards, we made it back to our accommodation, and as soon as my head finally hit the pillow, I fell asleep. A few days later, while typing up my notes, I stumbled across something online which stunned me. On the 3rd of September, just over a month before our investigation, a large group spent the night at 35 Stonegate, and they, just as we had, found the seance room to be the epicentre of the paranormal activity within the house. They experienced some odd things there. Vibrations in the floor accompanied by the sound of footsteps, cold breezes around them, and then during the activity a torch flickered on and off. Does this confirm that what we'd experienced was definitely something paranormal? Or... Does it mean that there's something about the seance room which causes these happenings naturally? I'll leave you to make your own mind up on that one. Thank you so much for joining me for this special episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll aim to put an episode of this type out every month. If you're not a Patreon supporter and you're listening to this in the future after I've released it to everybody you could have got access to this bonus podcast back in March of 2023 by becoming a Patreon supporter for only £3 a month. And you'd also get early access to all of the weekly podcasts. You can sign up by going to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All of the details are in the podcast description and you can go over to the website at www.how-haunted.com to find out more. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at howhauntedpod or over on Instagram at howhauntedpod where you will see photos galore relating to our investigation of 35 Stonegate. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunter.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunter.com. Feedback, location suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, Please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Thank you so much for accompanying me for this very special paranormal adventure. Stay safe and join me next time when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted?
I uh, have no interest in it, come up with knock. Knock twice. <laughs> I thought it was quite genius. 